Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning, and <laughs> Jack is uh, definitely making it a fun intro into Dirt Radio. Hey, Jack. Hey, Sam. I just thought we'd keep us all on our toes today. I Definitely keeping me on my toes. Good. Uh, so on today's show, we are having a bit of a uh, debrief, I guess, about the election in Victoria and uh, all things that we wanted for the environment and for human rights. So in the studio today we have Anna Langford, our Act on Climate Coordinator. Hey, Anna. Hey, Sam. Lovely to see you in real life in the studio. Good to be back. It's it's definitely been more than two years. I know. It's been a while, hey? Pandemic. Uh, and on the line we have Alana Mountain, our Forest Coordinator, and Cam... Our uh, campaigns coordinator, I'll just make sure you're both there. Alana and Cam, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Alana? Yep, I can hear you. Excellent. We have everybody on the line. Uh, So before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge, acknowledge as usual that we are coming from unceded Wurundjeri land uh, and pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge the extremely important role that First Nations people play in environmental and social justice struggles. So to my dear guests, we uh, had an election in case you hadn't heard um, and I thought I would just uh, kick off by asking uh, Cam Walker, can you tell us what what what's your feeling about the election? How did it go? What did the environment get? Well, it was a fantastic election. Um, kind of stepping back from environment just at the start, it was obviously about many things. It was a referendum about how the government handled the pandemic. And I feel heartened that, you know, support for collective approaches versus individual approaches kind of was clearly supported in the election. It was about cost of living. It was about the emerging right-wing movement that grew out of the anti-lockdown movement and how they would go. And luckily, they they didn't disappear without trace, but they didn't get very far. They haven't got a, a meaningful foothold, I don't think, after a couple of years of really solid organising. But it was also about climate and energy and biodiversity. Um, and there was a strong you know, forest campaign. There was strong climate campaigns. We saw the rise of the climate independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so-called teal, uh, which was a new phenomenon at the state level. Um, the Greens did really well. The ALP got back in, and it's likely that left-leaning parties will control the upper house. So I would say, all in all, a pretty fantastic outcome. Yes. So, uh, Anna, what what were your thoughts on the election? Did you, you know, um, find anything in particular that stood out for you? Yeah, I, I think, like Cam said, it was a lot of... It, um, there was a, there was a lot of you know build up and expectation that the 
um, outcomes of the lockdown years would really dominate. And of course, um, like that was a major part of it, but it wasn't like the only dominant issue. I think it was really awesome to see how strongly climate and energy and environment featured. And um, yeah, I think like, I mean, one one of the most obvious indicators of that is that compared with 2018, the Liberals and Nationals actually put a climate policy on the table. They, <laughs> they felt, they really felt the pressure after um, in 2018 election when they actually brought no climate policy at all to the election and that really like whacked them in the polls. So mm. this time it was like, you know, the overall baseline was lifted in terms of what is an acceptable climate stance to take. And that meant that other parties like um, the Greens, the Socialists, Labor, um, etc. could go further and kind of shift the Overton window. Mm. This is true. Of course, uh, Alana Mountain, your focus would have been on outcomes uh, for the forest. And um, I, I guess from Friends of the Earth perspective, probably neither side of the political spectrum goes farther, further enough, fast enough uh, in relationship to forests. But Alana, what did you think of the election outcome? What does it mean for forests? Uh, yeah, I agree with Cam and Anna, and I think it was a great result and to just see how quickly um, the Labor Party came out ahead. Um, yeah, it was just it was assuring that Victorians care about uh, real policies and not fear tactics in politics, which is what the Liberal Party and, you know, the coalition was putting out a lot of the time, just a lot of really empty um, fear-mongering <laughs> political <laughs> tactics throughout. Uh, I guess it was a bit disappointing to not see a couple of independents come through, like Sophie Turney, um, but, you know, the ballots still being counted um and yeah just waiting to see what happens in Northcote we ran a really strong campaign supporting VFA there Victorian Forest Alliance um to get Campbell who could you know support or any other um you know person who's representing forests into into parliament and support those people who have real policies for forest protection and biodiversity protection so yeah we'll see what uh, happens there. Yeah. Um, so Campbell hasn't gotten up, is my understanding, or is it still too close to call? Do, Cam Walker, do you know what's going on in Northcote? I actually don't know what's happening at present. Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see. I haven't been able to get confirmation about whether he has won or lost. Do you know, um, I, I think it's still very neck and neck. It's a few hundred votes that separate um Campbell, the Greens candidate, from the current MP, Kat Theophanis. Um, but the count hasn't been updated since, like, early s- Sunday or something. So there's yeah. still, like, I think more than a quarter of the votes to count Ooh. there. Oh, well, a little bit of a declaration. Uh, Campbell and I actually went to high school together. Uh, we were in the same politics class. Uh, we had a great political teacher, actually. Uh, so very good to see Campbell, very old old face from my life, uh, entering politics. Uh, so let's talk about what does it mean for the future of, uh, let's start with forests, Alana, with the Labor state government getting re-elected. We know that... Uh, they've said they will phase out native logging by 2030, and I think we've all shouted back, that's not soon enough. Um, what what does this mean for forests, Alana? 
it's it's unclear at this point because obviously there's it's still um, you know early days and there hasn't been any uh, mention of Forrest or, or moving on that date yet. But I do feel confident that we can keep working to lobby this government as they are a lot easier to, uh, you know, lobby than the alternatives. Mm. Um, so I feel confident that with the combined forces that exist across the grassroots forest movement, that we will see that date come forward. That's very exciting. And Cam, I know you've been doing, um, <coughs> excuse me, some work around Mount Sterling and other areas that are still planned for logging. What does the election result mean for those areas? We really don't know as yet. Um, as Alana said, you know, I think that um, there's going to be a lot of work done in the coming months to encourage the government to actually listen to the community and listen to the science and bring forward that 2030 end date. And we are hoping to protect the forest, Mount Sterling and other areas we've identified in the east uh, in the meantime until the uh, shutdown date is, is brought forward. Of course, Cam, the other issue that is, you know, very much on the agenda for people living in Victoria is uh, gas, 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 gas. So now that the Labor Party has gotten back in, uh, do we think that they will start moving to um, sort of enact some of those gas projects? Well, they are kind of heading it both ways a little bit. They haven't ruled out um, new gas developments, so they won't be, you know, developing gas, but they won't stop it. And yet at the same time, they have this uh, so-called gas substitution roadmap, which is a, the beginning of a pathway which would define how Victorians can get off the use of fossil gas. So that's good. Obviously, the coalition wanted to turbocharge gas development and they weirdly went really hard on drilling lots of gas. And the fact is, we just don't have enough known reserves of conventional gas in Victoria to have any sort of impact on price or um, supply. So it just seemed like a really strange hill to want to die on. Um, <laughs> it did create this interesting policy tension uh, because, of course, the Greens are saying obviously maintain the fracking ban, but also reinstate the moratorium on conventional gas drilling, which we won uh, working with the community back in 2014, I think it was, and yes. was listed in about 2020 or 21. So the Greens, uh, it will be interesting to see their influence in the upper house and if they can push that. Uh, but we will see further movement on the gas substitution roadmap uh, into the coming year. So we're hoping the government will want to start to fast-track rollout um, of electrification over use of gas. And a starting point is to basically say we're not going to connect new build buildings, houses and commercial buildings to the gas network anymore because that's just locking people into higher prices. And, uh, Jack, we have talked about the uh, rise of the far right in politics from your homeland, across the ocean, across the pond. Over the pond, yeah. Over the pond. Big pond. Big pond, rather large pond. <laughs> it takes a long time to get there. Yeah, quite so. Uh, yeah, we, we've talked about the fact that the far right have been on the rise in the grassroots and in political systems, uh, both in, in the UK but also here in Australia and obviously around the rest of the world, especially we can look at America. Mm -hmm. uh, so this election was quite fun to see so many of them lose their way. Yeah. And also to see the Liberals' preference plan uh, kind of backfire on them dramatically. Uh, what are your thoughts on 
the outcome of the election, being a rather newbie to this country. Yeah, well, I, I think that that's positive. Um, I think the one thing that I notice with the UK and here is that the the right sentiment is bleeding into areas that are traditionally socialist or left, especially working class areas. Mm. Um, and that seems to be where it is getting a bit more of a voice. And so I do think that that is a good thing that that obviously wasn't perpetrated in um, Victoria yes. with, you know, elections of um, or these people getting elected. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose coming to this country and it, it seems to be like they've got more of a presence but mm. less actual support at the minute, you know. They'll mm. they'll they love a core flute, <laughs> but I'm not sure how many people are voting for them. And it is positive to see that actually there's less of that. Although I will say I've, I'm moving house, and in that electorate, um, I think that there was, I think that the Australia First Party had pretty good. I think they had about five percent of the vote there mm. um, of first preference voting, which is five percent of my think we'll be in the same one now um, yeah yeah but yeah so i do think that it's obviously still there yep. but it's nice to see it not being realized in actual votes yeah well alana and cam i, I don't know what your voting experience was like but you know i got to number three of ticking boxes and was like oh my god <laughs> they're all so terrible where to go uh what did, what did you guys think of of yeah, we've all had to put up with the far right running around, infiltrating movement, infiltrating um, political parties, micro parties, playing the Glen Jury preference whispering, deal swapping to try and get themselves some form of political power. What do you think this says um, about Victoria and I guess about the agenda of the far and particularly Christian fascist right that have been trying to infiltrate the system? maybe kick off with Cam and then go to Alana? Sure. So I agree that the, the, the right has a present but probably less power. They do appear, they're like being the Wizard of Oz, you know, guy behind the screen with the megaphone. <laughs> they seem bigger than they are, and that's been shown by how people have voted. Um, because it's conspiracy-based, a lot of it, they don't have any original thoughts. So already there's talk of, you know, election fraud and, you know, stolen elections. So they're just playing from the Trump handbook. Yes. Um, but I think there is this kind of deeper kind of issue, which is the class dimension to the swings. So the swings in those outer west and outer northwestern seats tended to be in seats where people didn't receive benefit from JobKeeper, mm. who were in really precarious employment situations who had to keep working through the pandemic and I think it's really important that um, I think Jack's right that this right-wing movement is kind of moving into a left-wing space which is those people on their economic margins mm. and we need to continue to mobilise and we need to continue to listen to what those communities need and we need to be driving the government to make sure they also listen and resource them and support them as needed so there's some detail in there I think in coming years are going to be really important do we actually stop this movement in its tracks it has waned uh, but can we actually take their power by talking to the people they're trying to mobilize the Christian the far-right Christian thing is another thing altogether because I see that as being more a middle-class phenomenon mm. uh, a kind of middle suburban phenomena and that it's also you know conspiracy orientated in a way in that they're not interested in common sense so they will be hard to shift, but it will be so fascinating to see do 
the libs kind of go with the far-right Christians and go even further to the right and therefore become even more unelectable. Um, and in some ways that would be an own goal, so you know, possibly that's not the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> Alana, what, what did you think about the, uh, yeah, the, the um, connection of the far-right movement during this whole uh, campaign period bleeding on from lockdown? Oh, it's going to be hard to follow Cam. (laughs) Uh, I think it's just a sign of their desperation to find unlikely allies to build power. Mm -hmm. And I don't really have much more to, yeah, to evaluate in terms of what they're trying to achieve. I just think that they're in dire straits for finding enough support to to get ahead and get re-elected and... Yeah, they're searching for allies in unlikely places. <laughs> or very likely places. Um, I know there has been a lot of talk on Twitter about the failure of the far right, Anna, mm. um, and we were um, having a chat about the fact that, you know, some, some people are surprised that, you know, when Daniel Andrews came out and said there's no place for Nazis and fascists in our political system, of course, none of us on this call or in this room are surprised by that at all because it's been a well-known strategy by the fascist far right to infiltrate political systems and we can go back to the 90s with Pauline Hanson and then we can zoom forward to the noughties with Pauline Hanson <laughs> and then we can uh, zoom to Fraser Anning and we can see this, you know, glumping. And then back to Pauline Hanson. And then Hansen. back to Pauline Hanson and then to Craig Kelly and then back to Pauline yeah. Hanson uh, and little Johnny Howard who seemed to have had a lot in laying the foundations. Uh, you talked about the Overton window uh, earlier and, and it seems to me that maybe over the last, you know, 15, 20 years war on terror there has been a lurch to the right by all political parties. And and now the the Sky News After Dark people uh, in their summary of the election are, are being like, we need to double down, we need to be even more fascist. Mm. What are your thoughts on what's going on? Because this is clearly the anti-lockdown movement, like every other thing they've glumped onto, is simply mm. a way to try and recruit people and then infiltrate political systems and micro-parties. What, what mm. do you reckon is going on? Yeah, totally. Like, I think, well, <clears throat> a few things. Firstly, you know, if the Liberals take Sky After Dark's advice to just shift <laughs> further to the right do to it. get do their it. base back, I don't think that's going to do them any favours in Victoria. <laughs> you know, we, we noticed that Peter Dutton was not brought down to campaign alongside any <laughs> of the Liberals to, you know, win a few extra votes. So clearly that... That's just super unpopular um, across the board down here. And, I mean, yeah, it is it is an insidious kind of approach and messaging that these far-right movements are using because they, you know, they're, they're talking to these, um, as Cam said, people that some people that have gravitated towards them from what used to be more traditional left-wing bases mm. with the basic language of it's about our rights and freedom, but then they are connecting up now with existing far-right movements that are against women's rights and against First Nations rights and very Mm. racist and, you know, all of those other um, existing stances that are, you know, anti the rights of a lot of marginalised groups. Yes. Um, And I think, you know, the like straight away on Sunday 27th, we saw the 
blatantly anti-democratic language come out from those movements and groups, um, you know, trying to contest the election result. I think I saw <laughs> one of the things I saw was like a, it must have been a, a rally called, um, which was framed, the messaging was like, Victorians, it's time to say no. And it's like, <laughs> well, if Victorians had wanted to say no, they would have said it with mm. their ballots the mm. day before and they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, they're, they're claiming that it's like dictator Dan and, you know, we've got no voice, but like, then they're like, well, trying to contest the election result of a democratic election. So can't have it both ways. It's looking pretty <laughs> shaky. <laughs> yeah, the logic doesn't make much sense. Uh, so now that the election is over, I guess I would like to offer you all the chance to let us know what is the plan besides obviously hopefully taking summer off and recharging and getting some rest and maybe sunshine if it stops raining and being yuck. Um, but, yeah, just uh, going around the call, Alana, what what's next for Forrest? Where is your focus now? All of this election stuff is over. We've got, you know, a time period in which to bring about more system change. What will Forrest be focusing on? Well, we'll be continuing to focus on the Alpine regions and um, increasing awareness around the threats of logging now uh, moving into those areas that the Central Highlands and East Gippsland have been uh, temporarily protected through the court cases. Um, so, yeah, there'll be a shift of focus towards how we can amplify regional groups' voices out there and connect in with um, mob and, you know, the place up there and just bring it to, uh, you know, inner Melbourne or city folks' attention of how they can take action for those special places that we all benefit from. We'll also continue the work in the transition space up around Murrindindi and continue to empower uh, regional communities to have autonomy over what their regional community transformations will look like uh, post-logging. And we will also continue to uh, work with other grassroots forest groups to mobilise and keep up the pressure on the uh, re-elected government. So, yeah, lots of work to be done, Sam. <laughs> It never, never stops. They never rest. Uh, Cam Walker, what, what's on the horizon for FO? Where do you see the battle lines being drawn now that the election dust is settling? I think there's a lot of kind of interest amongst the campaigners to get out into the community and check in with our allies and do more work in the regions and get out in mm. the burbs. I think we're really enjoying being back in real life in terms mm. of our campaigning. And a lot has happened in the last two years and the landscape has shifted. So, yeah, I think we'll be out there and meeting with allies and kind of going deep on that work really strong focus on the rollout of renewables, but getting them right in terms of environmental impact and, and social licence, really getting on with supporting the energy transition work that's underway, more work climate-affected communities. Um, and also we did launch this grassroots mutual aid network um, mm. a month or two ago, and I think uh, I'd be keen to kind of see us starting to visit communities that are recovering from disasters and start to do just mm. that mutual aid, kind of solidarity, grassroots work. Amazing. That sounds really like also um, a great way to, yeah, just connect in and find communities. So for our listeners out there, if you're interested in joining in our Mutual Aid Collective or any uh, other of our collectives, please do get in contact via our website or drop into our office on Smith Street. We're actually back in real life. 
Anna, what's going to be the focus of Act on Climate? You've got so much huge stuff that you've been working on. Where where to from here? Mm, yeah, I think um, just to like echo a couple of the things Cam said, I think um, like we're really shifting from the like setting the level of ambition in the first place to the, okay, how do we, you know, do it now mm. when it comes to climate? Um, so we had Victorian Labor announce the 2035 emissions reduction target mm. that they'll commit to um, actually before the election. That was quite a few months earlier than expected. And, um, yeah, like they announced that they would set a target of 75 to 80% emissions reduction for the state by 2035, which is um, like among the highest targets in the world. Mm. And, you know, yeah, now really puts the question to, okay, so how do we get there? Like the renewables transformation is underway. We need to get off um, get off gas faster than the current pace um, and native forest logging earlier than the current set date and really ramp up um, making a more efficient and reliable public transport network to service all communities. Um, so I think like that's really as a, yeah, organization overall, what we'll um, be looking at. And I think another really cool thing that emerged out of the election buildup was this commitment by Labor to um, revive the State Electricity Commission. Oh, yeah, we haven't even talked about that. Yeah, which is uh, going to be about... Um, it's it's not the it's not the exact same as the original one, but its initial purpose is going to be to um, invest in like for the government to have a stake in all new renewable energy projects. So mm. again, um, yeah, the the conversation has shifted from like should we do renewables, yes or no? Um, when the Liberals at the last election were taking a policy to scrap the <laughs> yes. renewable energy target to like how should we do them? And clearly a big um, part of it that the electorate has just endorsed is public ownership. So that's really exciting. Mm, super exciting. And how we do it is really important because we don't want to create the same sort of monopolies, you know, that corporations have had in the fossil fuel era. So I guess we'll be seeing more community or cooperative non-profit, um, hopefully, uh, spaces open up in the electricity mm. as well as gas, getting off it, moving to other sorts of renewables. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, like I, I think it's, it is just such a big shift from a couple of years ago to see, I think it was, um, I think it was even in like in his speech on the night or possibly the next day, but, um, the premier directly pointing the finger at profiteering energy companies mm. that have hiked electricity prices, um, you know, so high for Victorians since the SEC was privatised and, you know, about a real desire to reverse that. So I feel like it's just so exciting that we've shifted from this kind of, you know, the market will lead the climate action we need to a much more hands-on government approach to rein in the, the profiteering companies. Yes, corporate accountability. Put those corporations on a leash and lead them out to the backyard and <laughs> replace them with co-ops. Um, Jack, we're nearly out of time. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Alana, Cam, Anna, thank you so much for coming in, being on the show. Uh, as always, thank you for all the amazing work that you do. Friends of the Earth is just pumping at the moment. Um, and thank you for coming in and debriefing on the election. Thanks for having wow. us.
you are on Dirt Radio and I think Jack is hanging up on Alana and Cam, so we'll uh, say goodbye. Uh, another show has zoomed by. We're nearly out of time. I think that we can maybe just play out a song, Jack. Yeah, we can do that. Sorry, I got sidetracked because of this studio. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. I get bad juju here. Should I say that? I don't know. No, positive mindset. I've, today I've exercised the juju. The juju is gone. Yes. It's, it's all been, uh, yes, taken care of. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye.